Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Netflix and Swill, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. Uh, I'm the tournament bad boy, Caleb. And I'm here with a DMCA takedown of this podcast. And I am an attorney. Uh, give me your money. Give me all of your beef syrup. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Uh, how are you doing, though? Fine, just fine. How are you? stressed just watched the Steeler game for the first time in like five years because uh th- there's no longer a rapist at quarterback there is a consensual kitty titty titty kisser there we go that's his actual thing uh that is based off of a i want to say 2015 social media post where he says i love kissing titties uh, <laughs> which is great but uh yeah uh it was one of the worst games i've ever seen because the steelers had five five turnovers and still proceeded to barely win in overtime great so yeah mad mad that i uh spent my sunday watching that game uh be a complete fucking disaster sounds like it i don't know i did a bunch of housework that was you that was most of my day. I uh, was hanging curtains and doing dishes and uh, setting up the security system and, you know, doing doing lots of things. There you go. Uh, and I watched three Karate Kid films. <laughs> oh, uh, I can't wait to talk about the Karate Kid movies. They're um, there's something. They're really, they're really something. Yes. So are you. Oh. You're something else. You know that? I know that. <laughs> uh, well, hey, why don't we just get into it so we can talk about uh, pseudo important things. Let's start off like we do every week with what's your swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans. Stay away from the can! Alright, I have a Modelo, but more importantly, I have water, because I've had a migraine for two days, and I think that it's because I'm probably dehydrated. Who are you? Your wife? Yeah, and also, possibly, because I can't stop firing people. I know you just fired your second person, which you said third. You were do- oh, it's now your third person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who was the? Because the first one was because they were stealing. What was the second one? The second one, he just just was a bad fit. I don't know. I just wasn't getting no. it. This one was poor attendance and you know showing up late all the time. I don't know. We were laughing about it, but like. there's a day that he fucking uh showed up like four hours late and then like left after two hours and it's like (laughs) what 
just why did you come here because <laughs> you're getting written up twice now instead of just once yeah weird i don't know people these days uh aren't ashamed of themselves enough yeah that's true it's very true. Uh, speaking of which, I have water and I'm drinking it out of a 50 ounce Snorlax mug that I got for fifteen dollars. You said 50 ounce. Yes, that is correct. So uh, let me let me hold this Snorlax mug up to my head. Please look at the size of this in comparison to my head. Huh? It's a big mug. It's a big fucking mug. Some big fucking mug boys. You know, remember uh, Agit Pie, the uh, FC? I think he still might be the FCC yeah. head. Uh, but he had this novelty like Reese's mug that was massive. Uh, yeah. And I feel like a less douche version of him with this mug. Yeah, that guy is a cuck. Fucking hate that guy. Mr. Anti-Net Neutrality himself. I fucking hope he uh, gets uh, his dick bitten off by... Comcast, who's filleting him. I hope all the bad things in the world happen to him and only him. So I'm sorry, uh, I can't control the uh, the put downs of the the mug because it's 50 ounces or it contains 50 ounces of water. Weighs uh, uh, 10,000 pounds. Yeah, it, it weighs a lot. I have to hold it with two hands. Just like my penis. So so he does have an open mouth like I can stick my fingies in there. And so sometimes I just grab it like this, uh, where I hold my fi- my thumb over the lip of the bug and then grab him by his mouth. And I feel like a real big man. <laughs> I'm proud of you, Dan. Hey, thanks. Uh, and with that, let's get to the news. Oh, shit, it's mail time. All right, uh, Netflix issued a DMCA takedown notice of our T Public store. Yeah, so the only thing that was up there is our logo. That's right. They issued a DMCA of a logo that we've had for the better part of three years that was already sold on a T-shirt at on Redbubble. Uh-huh. So... I don't get it. Good job, corporation. You've you've stopped us. In my in my form of protest, I've tried to upload the uh, the DMC take the DMCA takedown that we were uh, sent by T Public uh, as a shirt. Unfortunately, <laughs> can't upload that for some reason. Won't upload. Other things will upload, just not that. So I'm going to figure it out, and then I'm going to upload it. And then we're going to make a million dollars off that shirt. Yeah, I'd buy one. Uh, also, in related news, uh, also last week, uh, the Netflix and Swill Instagram account got uh, banned for, quote, impersonating another entity. The fuck? <laughs> Netflix becoming very litigious. It, uh,. Impersonating another ent- It's us. Yeah, I know. You know what it says on there? Netflix and Swill. You know what it says? A podcast covering all things Netflix, unaffiliated with Netflix. Now I know that's not exactly like the most legal thing, but like if anybody actually thinks we're part of Netflix, like what's wrong with you? So yes, yeah. uh I, I was I was fairly confident that Netflix took down the Instagram. 
and then the DMCA takedown of our logo confirmed it. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. I've tried to get, get the Instagram back up, but um, I don't know. My, my response was, we have never at any point in history attempted to be anybody but ourselves. Uh, I Unfortunately, I don't think that worked for Instagram. Fuck you, Instagram. Next up on the list, uh, despite what you're hearing on the internet, Netflix will not be moving to a weekly release for its programs. Yeah, I don't know why people are saying that, but I've oh, seen I that a bunch. So there was a, I want to say it was a newsletter or something along those lines from this lesser known publication, Puck News. And one of the analysts was like, uh, one of the people who was writing the newsletter spoke to an analyst and they said, uh, Netflix should move to this model. Well, somebody fucking read that, wrote in a tweet that Netflix will be moving to a, ne- a weekly release model. And then every garbage can website like Screen Rant, Collider, all these fucking garbage dick piece of shit websites went, oh, Netflix is doing this because this unverified account with no actual news source uh, has decided instead to say, hey, this is happening. And everyone just (laughs) ran with it. And I'm just so mad because there's no journalism anymore. Journalism is dead. It's all about clicks. You got to get the clicks. That was the amazing thing about the tweet, too, is that there was no news story attached to the, the tweet originally. It was just like somebody saying like the the words in a tweet and it was like why are we listening to this this place that doesn't even have a fucking website it uh it didn't make any sense so uh it pretends pretend you didn't hear that uh it's it's nothing's changing everything's staying the same for now will they move to week releases maybe i don't know should it be for anime probably but otherwise, it's not happening yet until Netflix says it is or Netflix starts doing it. What a stupid, stupid planet we live on. No one wants to read anymore, Caleb. Uh, Netflix Games and Ubisoft are partnering up on three original mobile games, Valiant Hearts 2, Mighty Quest, and an original Assassin's Creed mobile game. Uh, Ubisoft are terrible. Don't play these games. <laughs> um, probably that's probably true. Ubisoft, Ubisoft ebbs and flows. Sometimes they're very good games. Sometimes they make complete dog shit that no one should ever touch. I think I think I'm still pissed off about like stuff Ubisoft did like. In like 2003 or whatever the fuck. What'd they do? Uh, I don't remember. Like I said, I just think I just have like residual anger about something. Huh. I think they had, they had some sort of controversy with like, uh, I think it was over like DRM. They were one of the companies that had like always on calling back to like their servers to like verify that you're not playing a pirated version of the game. And it like made a lot of their games unplayable and they would just like take people's games away 
forever. I don't know. It was real weird. It was a weird, it was a weird time for things. Yeah, that is DRM is stupid. And uh, it's kind of why, like, I don't like buying digital games as much as I used to. Because ideally, digital games are always fantastic. They were just like, hey, you get this game for you don't have to take up any shelf space or anything. Uh, But also, it turns out if you actually read the fine print that you don't really own the game, you're just paying for the license for it. And that license can be revoked at any time. Yeah. That's why I hate everything. That's allowed. I don't know. That's still uh, one of my favorite memes I've ever seen is like, uh, I don't know, because there was like a thing where Shigeru Miyamoto from Nintendo said that like, you know, uh, a delayed game is bad, but like a rushed game that's released before it's ready is bad, is like worse or something. And uh, somebody made a meme of that where (laughs) it's him and he's saying... Uh, a delayed game is bad. An on-time game is bad. I hate video games. <laughs> yes, that's fair. Yeah, uh, uh, that quote has gotten more use over time because now every game seemingly gets delayed, which is stupid because it's very obvious how a hype cycle works now. It is announced game. Uh, know that the announce the launch window that you have announced for said game isn't sustainable or feasible in any way, shape, or form. Uh, announced game has been pushed because uh, you the launch window that you announced that you knew wasn't going to be feasible uh, isn't feasible. Yeah. Uh, get goodwill for pushing game. Yeah, I think that uh, Metroid Prime Four got announced like like three or four years ago at this point. Yes. And it was just a title screen and everybody was like, I'm a guy getting metric game and took like three months. Yeah. And then there's been no announcement about it since. <laughs> Do you know what the best game announcement of all time is? Uh, it's, it's coming out at the uh, end of this live stream. Because Nintendo does that one, too, sometimes. Um, no, those are mostly fine, because sometimes they're just... I, I feel like those games aren't very good most of the time, and they're just like, hey, uh, please be hyped about this thing. And then they get the initial hype, and then it's like, oh, this thing actually just is kind of mediocre. No, the thing... The, the best game announcement of all time is actually Fallout 4, because they announced it at E3, which was in June, and then they were like, hey, it's coming out in November. And then it came out in November... And there was no problems. Well, there are problems because it's always Fallout 4. But like everyone was like, hey, it's just Fallout 4. Like we're we're ready for this shit. You know, we're, we, we, we've we come to expect this quality from you, Bethesda. Uh, yeah. The game was exactly what everybody wanted. It came out when they said it was going to come out. It was great. Yeah, we got exactly the <laughs> piece of buggy garbage that we wanted. Yep, you got a Bethesda game. Uh, but yes, Ubisoft. Um, I've never played Valiant Hearts. I know nothing about Mighty Quest. Assassin's Creed mobile game. I'm going to assume this will be in the vein of the Assassin's Creed Chronicles games, which are just side-scrolling adventures. If this is any more, anything more than that, I'll be shocked. But yes, uh, please look forward to these in 2023. 
is the early word from Netflix about these. So, you know, 2024. I don't know if I've ever played an Assassin's Creed game. They're okay. Played the first one a little bit. I think I did like a tutorial level on it. And I was like, it's not for me. It's okay. The The first one is rough. It's a, it's a very rough draft of, uh, and you, yeah. I, when I played it, I was like, oh, this is fun. You go back and play it. You're like, oh, this is rough. And then you go on and play like two brotherhood and then revelations. And I like, ah, this is what they were looking for. Got it. Assassin's Creed Reloaded. What the what the hell's the 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 fourth one? Of Matrix. Uh Resurrection? Sure. Uh yeah. Yeah. The the fourth one in that series is Assassin's Creed Resurrection. I don't care. Uh Resurgence. Uh Birth by Sleep. So yeah, be excited for Ubisoft games or don't. It's your choice. You're an adult. Yeah. Most likely if you're listening to the show, you're an adult. You're grown. Uh, or you're uh, Facebook's lawyer. Facebook? Netflix. Netflix's lawyer trying to shut us down. Why did I say Facebook? Uh, Facebook owns Instagram. Yeah, I was thinking of the Instagram thing. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Netflix. How about instead of issuing copyright takedowns of our shit, you know, just give us screeners. How about instead of hating America, you uh, get one of these? It's a sword with a gun attached. 100% safe. Yeah, Netflix, stop hating America. (laughs) Netflix, stop leaving bags of shit, bags of your shit on my front doorstep. (laughs) All right, uh, let's move into downstream and talk about things that Netflix will probably issue a DMCA takedown uh, to us over. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! Our first trailer this week is for The Girls at the Back. Some people travel to escape. They will travel so that life does not escape them. Hashtag The Girls at the Back. After one of them is diagnosed with cancer, five friends devote their annual vacation to expanding their horizons one bucket list challenge at a time. I think I'm slowly learning Spanish by watching Netflix trailers with Spanish subtitles. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's definitely fair. Um, I don't know, ma'am. It it looks uh cute. It looks heartwarming. It looks uh, heartbreaking. It uh, runs the gamut of emotions. Uh, it also looks like it's not for me. Yeah, probably not. I don't know. It's uh, girls who just want to have fun. Yeah. Also, uh, good commitment on these five women, because all five of them shave their heads to this movie. Yeah. The next trailer is for Narco Saints. Trust is the deadliest deal. In this vast empire of deception, who will survive based on a dangerously true lie? An ordinary entrepreneur joins a secret government mission to capture a Korean drug lord operating in South America based on true events. Uh, (laughs) uh, Enchant target drug lord. Uh, He becomes a a one one human creature uh, named ordinary entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) Such a, a deeply specific 
uh, joke about Magic the Gathering that I knew that you and only you would think was funny. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't expect that one to come out. Uh, I'm fucking stupid. I don't know. This looks fine. Yeah, this looks all right. Yeah, it's, it's actiony. It's another one of those like Korean shows, and I mean this nicely. That I, I Netflix it just keeps, I, I think, just keeps throwing darts at, because obviously Squid Game was like a game changer for them in terms of how they approach like Asian content. So now I just feel like they throw darts at any kind of like Korean genre type show to see if it hits, because like we have All of Us Are Dead, uh, a zombie show that hit. Uh, we have extra or er, extraordinary, extraordinary attorney, attorney Wu. Uh, which is a a procedural type show that hit. Uh, Will this hit? I don't know. But Netflix just keeps throwing at that dartboard. And every now and then they hit with a Korean show. And uh, I feel like people are willing to give Korean shows a lot of chances because of Squid Game. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Korean hype train's been rolling for a while. Thanks, Bong Joon-ho. Yeah, that's actually true. Yeah, because I think it was basically since Parasite won its win the Oscar, I feel like Korean things have been on the upswing. Yeah. All right. Uh, next trailer is the only one that's in English this week. Uh, it's called Luckiest Girl Alive. Uh, that's um, that statement is actually false. Is it? I thought the rest were like all foreign language things. Oh, fuck my ass. I gave you the wrong trailer. Oh, okay. For not this one, but the the following one. Oh, okay. Well, maybe we'll review different uh, trailers. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we can just talk about different trailers. (laughs) Although I watched that one too. So Luckiest Girl Alive is based on the best-selling novel. Annie Finelli, played by Mila Kunis, a sharp-tongued New Yorker, appears to have it all. A sought-after position at a glossy magazine a killer wardrobe, and a dream Nantucket wedding on the horizon. But when the director of a crime documentary invites her to tell her side of the shocking incident that took place when she was a teenager at the prestigious Brentley School, uh, Annie is forced to confront a dark truth that threatens to unravel her meticulously crafted life. Directed by Mike Barker, written by Jessica Knoll, a writer's perfectly crafted New York City life starts to unravel when true crime documentary forces her to confront her harrowing high school history. Alliteration. Alliteration. Also Brentley. Brentley. Whatever Brentley did at school, uh, she's in trouble for it. God damn you, Brentley. How dare you get Mila Kunis in trouble? For people who... (laughs) Don't know us in real life or, uh, you know, in the have highly specific knowledge of like who we interact with on uh, socials. Like we have a friend whose name is Brentley. Yes. So for the trailer, I don't know. It's Mila Kunis. I like Mila Kunis, but like in certain things, I don't know if she'll be any good in this. This also seems like kind of like trash. Is this supposed to be a movie? They say if it was a movie. I thought it was a series, maybe. I don't fucking know. I can never tell. Well, and that's the thing is like 
what does it say? Only on Netflix. Oh, it's rated R, so it's a movie. So uh, already it feels like it's going to be overstuffed because she has, we have the whole current timeline. We have to discuss everything that happened in the past. It just feels like it's going to be a very overloaded, probably two hour movie, which is fine. But also, like, I don't know if this will hold my attention for two hours. Yeah, probably not. The last trailer that I watched uh, is called High Water. Uh, In 1997, scientists and local government officials face life and death decisions when a destructive flood wave threatens the city. The local authorities, led by the aspiring clerk Jacob Marzak, uh, bring in Yasmina Tremor, a female hydrologist with a troubled past, uh, to help save the city at any cost. Uh, isn't that just the way with hydrologists? Always in Always and out of trouble. prison. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at the same time, Andre Rebeck Rabaz uh, returns to his hometown, Kitty, near Roclaw. Uh, unexpectedly leading the rebellious residents. High Water is a suspenseful six-episode disaster drama series inspired by the real-life events of the Millennium Flood, which hit Poland, as well as parts of Czech Republic and Germany in 1997. Why is it the Millennium Flood if it happened in 1997? I don't know. Maybe because it happens once every thousand years? Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, this looks like eco-thing. Yeah. Uh, like that's kind of why I didn't want to include it on the the show originally because it's just like oh it's just a thing. Like I I just wasn't intrigued by this in any way shape or form. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh looks fine. Yeah, it seems fine. But like I don't know, fine doesn't really cut it for foreign language stuff. Like to me, foreign language stuff as an English speaker uh, has to be really gripping in order for me to want to pay attention. Otherwise, it's just kind of there. Or 365 days of the series, where horrendous sex is happening on screen. (laughs) All that terrible, dirty, sexy sex. Fucking gross people. Alright, the final trailer that was supposed to be the final trailer is for The Good Nurse. Uh, suspicious that her colleague, Academy Award winner Eddie Redmayne, is responsible for a series of mysterious patient deaths. A nurse, Academy Award winner Jessica Chastain, risks her own life to uncover the truth in this gripping thriller based on true events, directed by Tobias Lindholm. An overburdened ICU nurse leans on her selfless new colleague at work and at home until a patient's unexpected death casts him in a suspicious light. You said colleague real weird. Colleague, I know. Uh, I don't know why I spoke like that. But uh, so Jessica Chastain, as it says, ICU nurse. Uh, same with Eddie Redmayne. I see you. I see <laughs> you. you. We're oh in the God. intensive care unit. So he, uh, Eddie Redmayne shows up and he's like, hi, I'm a, I'm a dude. And she's like, hi, dude. Thank you for being so supportive and great. Uh, until one day when somebody's IV drip contains insulin. Uh, and it turns out that this has happened at the last nine hospitals that Eddie Redmayne has been at. And the police are investigating. So, and then a meteor hits. And then a meteor hits. <laughs> what will you do then? Old women start to cross-attack <laughs> with, with the insulin. <laughs> fucking, I fucking hate this show. So yeah, 
It's uh looks like Sounds generic exciting. thriller. Generic thriller with uh two Oscar winners attached as the mm-hmm. leads. I'm generically thrilled. Yeah. You're allowed to be. October twenty sixth. Interesting date. Hmm. Your mom's an interesting date. Ayo. Hey, you got her. Uh sorry, Linda. Uh that'll bring us over to quick hits. I watched a single episode of an animated show on Netflix called Bee and Puppy Cat because uh, it was in my feed. And I was like, the fuck's a puppy cat? Uh, so this is like, it says it's an adult animation. So it's like pretty tame for an adult animation, but like probably not something I would show kids. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know who this is for, but like the animation style is kind of interesting, like very. Very soft outlines and like, you know, not a lot of like hard black outlines. They'll do like different colored outlines and shit. I don't know. It's oh, interesting. Visually interesting, I guess. That said, there's uh, not a lot here. It's about a woman who has no marketable skills and is unemployed. Uh, and she like. Wishes that she had a pet. And then, like, the puppy cat falls out of a space portal. And she can't tell if it's a cat or a puppy. Uh, and it turns out to be puppy cat. And, like, it recruits her into, like, uh, like a temp agency that does stuff in, like, different dimensions. So, like, the first episode, they have to, like, go babysit a space baby. And it's real weird. That is extremely strange. It's uh look how quirky it is. Lol XD so random. Yeah, kind of. Uh it's fine. I don't know. Like I said, uh I don't know who this is for, but it clearly wasn't me. Well, that sucks. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I wasted any time on it. I don't know. Um I don't know. Th- think of like something in the vein of like um Steven Universe, or like, I don't know. Oof. Steven Universe is actually supposed to be quality, and this does not seem quality. Yeah, it's like a poor man Steven Universe. It's fine for people who like it. Uh, what about you? I watched a couple more episodes of Extraordinary Attorney Wu. Uh, yeah, I need to get back to it. Uh, I liked it a lot, so. Yeah. Yeah, she uh, took a, an episode off to not be an attorney, although they never processed her resignation, so she was always an attorney. Uh, she took on some contract law uh, where uh, she used the way the law works in order to get these people out of a contract without you expli- you seeing her explicitly say for them to do this. Uh, basically, they just had the people who they signed the contract with uh, assault them. And therefore, uh, the law says if you if you will assault somebody you you have a contract with, you can uh, the person you assaulted can negate the contract. So they got out of an unfavorable contract uh, and got into a more favorable one because they're good people. And then the uh, second episode was all about like these. um, The fuck kind of machines were these? Oh, it was the uh, the bank. It was like an ATM 
receptacle thing that was like a and it revolved around like intellectual property uh and it was all about how like this one corporation which uh had money and power in order to uh squeeze this other uh corporation like very much smaller corporation out of uh, their savings uh because and their reputation because they were just bigger so uh, and it also taught Wu, uh, Wu to uh, seek the truth and not just go for the paycheck. Hmm. So, you know, she, uh, will she pull a phoenix right towards the end of the ep- of the season? Uh, maybe we'll see where the character goes. But yeah, m- what, we're episode five, six, I think somewhere in there. Probably going to watch more tomorrow because uh, I have a whole week off and then I'm uh, basically just going to do nothing but play video games uh, while Ashley's at work. Woo. That's my joke. Uh, Wu Young Wu. That's her rap name <laughs> and also her real name. Wu Young Wu Tang Clan. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, check out Extraordinary Attorney Wu. Like I said, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago. Uh, it reminds me of Monk and also reminds me of things Netflix actually, actually should get more of and put in English. And I'm, and I'm not saying that because, like, hey, it's Korean, like, give me my, I only want English stuff. I just want Netflix to have, like, more procedurals with loose overall stories. I, I, I've said this many times. I feel like Netflix having, Netflix created, like, this era of narrative only. And anymore, all we have are narrative only shows. Uh, so when you see non-narrative only shows that are also just procedural, like, it, it reminds me of, like, that. Uh, that great time where you would just, you know, be Saturday, you got your Game Boy on, uh, there's no baseball, so you turn on USA TV to watch fucking, like, Burn Notice or Psych or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Give, let, me, let me experience that kind of, uh, that kind of day, Netflix. Just, put, just part, start putting out stuff like that. Uh, and that's it. So I'll watch this week. So uh, let us take a quick break. And when we come back from that break, we will talk about the entire Karate Kid movie franchise, except for the Jaden Smith ones, because uh, no. The Netflix and Swole podcast is brought to you by our patrons. Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Nick Haskins, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy De La Rosa, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Duty Dutram, Casey Moore, The Nerd Revert, and Dan's Mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at netflixandswill.com slash Patreon. Buy some shit. Visit netflixandswill.com slash merch. Leave a review and tell me how good I'm getting at public speaking. Visit netflixandswill.com slash Apple Podcasts. Thanks for letting us live our dreams of being professional idiots. We now return you to your regularly scheduled banter. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to talk about the Karate Kid movies, which are Karate Kid, Karate Kid Part 2, Karate Kid 3, and then the next Karate Kid. Yeah, we watched them all. Uh... I've seen all of these movies multiple times. Uh, the first and second one I've probably seen, you know, 
a dozen or more times each. Uh, part three and the next Karate Kid I've seen exactly two times as of this rewatch. So, so for me, I have watched the Karate Kid one. Uh, one time before this, and I have seen the collective of the mm-hmm. other three Karate Kid movies uh, exactly zero times. All right. Uh, so we'll start off with this, like, since, uh, you know, we both I think uh, you've thought Cobra Kai was pretty consistently good and fun. Is that mm-hmm. a, an accurate statement? Yes. OK, um, but you you hated Karate Kid because uh, with your you know, given Christian name, uh, everybody called you Danielson constantly as you were growing up. Uh, uh, no, no see, say it correctly. So that's like, there we go. That is how everyone uh, said it. So yeah, racist so which, Japanese which is, accent, which is pretty bad. Um, but now having watched through these and being a, a fan of Cobra Kai, does it kind of recontextualize it? Uh, and help you move past that, or does it reimmerse you in your childhood trauma? Now, I wouldn't say I've ever hated Karate Kid for doing that. Maybe I've said that in the past, and I, if I did, I was joking. I don't really care that much. Um, you know, uh, the the name Dan the Man was far worse in every <laughs> capacity uh, than Daniel San ever was. So, like, I don't, I don't give a fuck about that. But. Who the fuck called uh, you Dan the Man? Everybody. That's fucking, fucking annoying. Fucking everybody. It was so annoying. I didn't get an original name, like nickname, until high school, where I became Trash Man Dan. Uh, because, <laughs> and, and because, and this Oof. is, and this is true. Uh, I mouthed off a bit too much on the marching band bus after a competition, uh, which we won, by the way. We won like, 95% of all competitions we went to during my four years of marching band. Uh, I was mouthing off and they're like, all right, you pick, you go around and collect everybody's trash. And I went, all right, cool. And one fucking smart ass kid was like, look, it's trash man, Dan. And I was like, okay, we'll go with it. Fuck it. It's at least, it's at least huh. somewhat original. That's uh, about as unfortunate <laughs> as my elementary school Nick's name, uh, which was Chubba. <laughs> uh, they didn't it, even nickname you Chubbs after like Chubbs Peterson. Uh, it took a lot of work in middle school to reinvent myself as Brown Dog. You could have been Brown, which eyes. was which was what my football teammates started calling me. <laughs> yeah, well, fo- I mean, football players aren't exactly known for being like original. I mean, they could have. Like, uh, you know, dog seems like about the, the height of adding dog to something seems like the, like the height of their intelligence. Yes. But it's no uh, it's no hockey players who just add a S.Y. to at the end of every name. And uh, if you were wondering, <laughs> that happens in Letterkenny, and that is 100 percent true. Hockey players are extremely unoriginal with their, <laughs> with their nicknames. Would my hockey name be Brownleezy or Brownsley? I I would just call you Brownie. Fuck you, Shorzy. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. So back on topic uh, after we talked about nicknames for about uh, five minutes, which uh, there you go, everybody. There's your personal talk for, for this week. Uh, know, knowing more information about us. So 
<laughs> Having watched all four of these movies, it is an absolute marvel at what they were able, the Cobra Kai writers were able to extract from this and ex, like and move into actual plots for the show because yes, there is thank fucking you. nothing. Because, well, so here's the thing is like the first movie I would say is actually quite good. Uh, and there's a lot of like little details, I think, that kind of make the movie, uh, despite the fact that like, even in, even in this one, it's like, it, the the series grip on reality is tenuous at best. Yes. Uh, but the exhaustive attention to detail that the creators of Cobra Kai have extracted from this is like phenomenal. Like every little moving piece and part comes back into play at some point. It's incredible. Yes. It, uh, like I said, it is a marvel that they were able to extract so much out of this series and throw it into the show to make it work and also feel like a bit a big bit of nostalgia for these movies that overall are fairly bad. Yeah, I don't know. Um, like I said, I I think the first one's pretty good. I I unironically think that John Kreese is one of the greatest film villains of all time just because he's so deliciously and insidiously evil uh and then like starting with part two the bad guys in every movie are just cartoon characters correct which i also love yes but like john crease is a fucking great villain so I will say this regarding all of them because they all follow the exact same formula of uh, kid in new paradigm uh, kid meet Miyagi or kid talk to Miyagi. Miyagi's like ah, teach karate uh, enemy shows kid, up kid kid beaten up by stronger kid. Yeah, uh, kid kids. Then kid then goes to Miyagi gets karate training. Uh Enemy shows up and uh, is just kind of there and, you know, seemingly present. Uh, spend about an hour uh, avoiding the enemy entirely. Uh, so that way that you forget that there's even an enemy in the movie. Uh, last 20 minutes, mm -hmm. enemy resurfaces for you to be like, oh, that's right. The enemy's here. Every movie without fail. Well, actually, that's not true. Three actually does a decent job of setting up. Mike Barnes is a complete sociopath. Or, I'm sorry, yes. psychopath, uh, and Terry Silver is a sociopath. But we'll get to that movie. Yeah, Mike Barnes is a fucking maniac. So let's start with uh, Karate Kid 1, or the first Karate Kid. And uh, my hot take is, uh, how does anybody see Johnny Lawrence as the protagonist in this movie? <laughs> I don't know, I... Uh... I really like that YouTube video <laughs> talking about Daniel being the bad guy in the first movie, um, which, of course, is a joke. But like they're both kind of shitty because they're both kids and yes. like full of shitty kid hormones. Well, that's the thing, too, is like Johnny initiates all this stuff and then Daniel tries to get him back in like little ways that, you know, aren't harmful. Like he fucking sets a hose on him in the bathroom. And then 
they proceed as, as to... he's rolling a joint, which is the most nonviolent thing that you can do. Yes, but like <clears throat> before this, Daniel had gotten his ass kicked. He he had gotten shoved down a hill on his bike, uh, and it fucked up his bike, and that's where, of course, where he meets Miyagi. Uh, so like he's just getting like his little bit of revenge, and the guy's like, "Well." Fuck you for getting a little bit of revenge. We're now going to kick your ass uh, until this Asian man bounds the fence and takes us all out. <laughs> well, I mean, we don't train to be merciful here. I don't know what you want me to tell you. I guess it's true. But yeah, uh, I don't uh, like. Yes, Daniel's a little bit shitty to them, uh, but. I think I think he earns to the right to be a little bit shitty to them. Uh, if they have been, you know, assaulting him the entire time. Uh, yeah, I I would say so. Uh, also, question, because I don't remember seeing this in the movie. Uh, where the fuck does anybody say that a, a kick to the face is illegal? Uh, they don't until Karate Kid 3 in the second tournament. Yes. So, like, that becomes a rule later. But it's right. not a rule in the first movie. So, there, there's that. There's no continuity. Well, right, but everyone keeps extrapolating the, the rule in three into one and saying, oh, the rule is present in three, but it's not, so therefore it was present in one. But that's not true, because if that rule was present in, th- in one, then also Johnny Lawrence would have gone straight to the finals. In yeah. one. So I don't know what everybody's talking about. Stop making up shit. Elizabeth Shue is pretty, pretty attractive. And it's OK for me to say that because at the time this movie was made, she was 21. Yeah. And Ralph Macchio was about uh, 47 from the look of him. It really, he was that you think he was that old? No, I th- well, not that old. I know you're being facetious, but yeah. like, but like when the movie came out, he was what, uh, 20. He was like mid 20s, 23, 24. Oh, oh my God. I think, I think that I think that Ralph Macchio. I don't know, like he I can never tell if he looks extremely young or very old. Like, I think he might have Benjamin Buttons because <laughs> he always looks like a very old young person. <laughs> Yeah, like he looks he legitimately looks like he's 14 in the movie. But if you're saying he was 25, like, my God. Yeah. I don't know. The main the main loop of all of these movies is like Daniel being stupid and Miyagi being wise, but like Mm -hmm. not communicating his wisdom effectively, (laughs) I guess. Um, But like. uh, Pat Morita is as Mr. Miyagi is um, like the heart and soul of all of these movies. So like even, even in the next karate kid, like he, there's good Miyagi stuff to be found throughout all of these. But, but my God, is it rough in the next karate kid? But my God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Did you know that Pat Morita was nominated for an Academy Award for karate kid? Really? Yeah. I saw that. I was like, that's interesting. Because all he's being is a fucking stereotype, and I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Like, honestly. (laughs) 
<laughs> the portrayal's not great. Like, obviously, he went along with it, but like, it's I would I would almost like like these are kind of exploitation movies. Well, like these these are exploitation movies. Um, I just I just think that that is true. Uh, that- like especially in the second one where we go and it's like, oh here's here's Okinawa. It's this weird like foreign land where you know everybody's priorities are so different because everybody cares a whole lot about honor and like here's a bunch of here here's a a magical eastern sorcerer who can teach you karate and fix your broken <laughs> leg by rubbing his hands together yeah so yeah okinawa is bizarre it's a bizarre it's a bizarre place that they portray because it's like here's this fucking fishing village and then like 3 seconds away there's this bustling city that uh, there's a, a fucking karate dojo in that reminds you exactly of Cobra Kai. <laughs> like I said, altogether, I think that uh, the first the first movie is pretty good. Uh, there are a lot of like little background details that like I don't know if it's like stuff they intended to put in or if it's just like you know movies back in the 80s were a little bit sloppier, like a little bit more loosey-goosey, a bit more of an improvisational tone. Sure. Uh, but like, for instance, uh, whenever Daniel first arrives at the South Seas uh, community where him and his mother live in this movie, uh, he meets another young man who's like helping him move his shit in. Uh, this young gentleman is wearing a T-shirt uh, that has a picture of two cartoon pigs having sex, and it says "Macon Bacon." Yeah, I mean that sounds like something a kid from the eighties would wear, or like I, <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like something I would wear when I was in high school. So, like, that's fine. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I was expecting to see like. 20 people just walking down the street wearing fucking Bartman t-shirts. Cause well, we have, you know, we, yeah, that's not, that's not until uh, the next karate kid though. <laughs> but like, I don't know this movie. I think does a bad job of setting up Johnny Lawrence and Cobra Kai because uh, Daniel and Miyagi go to Cobra Kai about, about like, an hour left in the movie or so. And then they set up the, the confrontation of, you know, Daniel will fight at the all Valley in order to settle this. And then you see Johnny and Daniel interact one other time before the tournament. Yeah. And when Daniel just continues to provoke him, cause he's a mean little shit. Right. Which is fine. You're uh, whatever. But like, <laughs> It, it was just like, OK, so I, what what is what is why do I care about Cobra Kai or Johnny in any way, shape or form? Like, I feel like all the lore of Cobra Kai was int- really, truly introduced in three. Yeah, that's true. Also, like, uh, it's interesting kind of what they did with the series Cobra Kai um 
because like there wasn't a lot there to build off of with Johnny being the main character. So like they pretty much with with like just little scraps and bits and pieces of things like they pretty much were able to build his entire story from whole cloth, you know, right, Uh, which is interesting to me. Well, that's the thing, too, is I want to see like deleted scenes because I wonder what deleted scenes look like for Karate Kid and if those have anything to do with influencing Johnny's story. Because, like, I never got the sense that he had, like, a troubled family, which he seemingly did. Uh, I never got the sense of anything that actually gets brought up in Cobra Kai that, like, I don't know. It was just one of those things where I was like, this is... When you when you watch Cobra Kai and then watch this, you're just like, where did all of this stuff for Johnny come from? Because like the beginning of two, where it's uh fucking crease beating up on Johnny and the and the kids of Cobra Kai, like that felt mm-hmm. like a deleted scene of one. And they didn't end on that scene because they couldn't, because you know, you just you want the the finale to be, you know, this heroic thing of Daniel overcoming bullying. You can't have it be uh, a man assaulting children in the parking lot and then having an Asian man come and beat his ass. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's pretty incredible how they like, you know, everybody looks the same and like in the same costumes. It's like, yeah, the the second movie they made, what, two years later? Yeah. Uh, and it's like everybody looks the damn same. Uh, which is kind of impressive in its own right, I guess. All the all the movies do that. It like weaves in, uh, you know, new shit to like whatever the the end of the last movie was. Right. Which like uh, I don't know. It's not a thing that movies now really do. It's I don't know. It's kind of it's interesting. Yeah. Well, and that that's my big criticism with two and three is that they do a fucking montage of the previous movie or like the first movie, just in case you forgot that you were watching the Karate Kid and, uh, you know, or the Karate Kid part two or three and that you need the setup of Karate Kid one to understand what's going on in the movie. Yeah, well, <laughs> they do that in Cobra Kai, too. Like they they use the little tropes and trappings of the the movies to actually like good effect in in Cobra Kai but like yeah. yeah they uh I don't know they have little like side like cutaway things to go back and explain like oh this is a thing in the movie we're referencing so yeah well i i guess and this this comes now with you know having watched all the stuff versus during Cobra Kai having not watched anything uh, I actually appreciated all the stuff in Cobra Kai because it was filling in me in on things that I didn't know because I hadn't watched anything. Now that I've watched it uh, and I literally watched like Karate Kid one and then went into Karate Kid two and three, uh, knowing exactly what happened in Karate Kid one and just being like, oh, good. A five minute montage of everything I've already known. Fantastic. Yeah. Great. I think that's good enough like karate kid pretty uh pretty standard hero story type stuff i guess um what would you rate it uh, it's like a three it's fine yeah i'd probably go three and a half 
That's fair. Yeah. I mean, you, you definitely have probably some nostalgia element attached to that too. Yeah. Considering you've 100%. watched it so much. But like yeah. for me, it's just like, hey, this is a pretty standard story that uh, is really lacking in a lot of elements. And mm-hmm. especially considering what follows it up with Cobra Kai, you expect more of those elements to be prevalent and they're just not. Yeah. All right. Um, that'll bring us to Karate Kid Part 2, uh, which came out two years later in 1986. Uh, same year I came out. <laughs> it's a good joke. In this this time, they're back. They're at it again. You best believe. Uh, but Daniel accompanies Mr. Miyagi to his childhood home in Okinawa. Uh, to visit Mr. Miyagi's dying father, uh, whereupon Miyagi has to confront an old rival. Uh, Daniel falls in love within two scenes uh, after Ali leaves him for a football player from UCLA, uh, which is a good choice on her mm-hmm. part. Uh, and then he fights a psychopath. So what really what you really meant to say is that Ali is uh, actually cosplaying as Sir not appearing in this film. Yes, that's, <laughs> that is accurate. <laughs> uh, and in her place as the love interest, we have uh, Kumiko, played by Tamlin Tamita, who, uh, you know, gives Elizabeth Shue a run for her money in terms of uh, cuteness. Sure, that's fair. Yeah, they're like her her and Daniel's relationship is fine. It's uh it, we apparently need a love interest because it's, well I mean it's the 80s, you need a love interest in every movie. Yeah. Uh except I I enjoy how they pull the rug out from under us on that in the third part, but we'll get there. Oh, yeah. It's a good point. Um so yeah, I was just like, yeah, okay, whatever. This is uh this is the the love interest thing is fine here. Mhm. Mhm. So, like, we get Chosen, and we get Sato. And Sato is a literal cartoon character. Just the way he portrays yeah. himself is you just... You betray me! I kill you! It, 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 is, <laughs> it is just how, uh, I believe it's Matt Stone, does his fucking Asian voice in South Park. Ah, that's kind of true. Actually, actually, that would be Trey Parker usually doing oh, the Japanese voice. I, yeah, because yeah, I, I don't uh, remember who's. Uh... Well, like the reason they always do that in South Park is because, like, um, Trey Parker, I guess, in college actually majored in Japanese language studies and like Japanese cultural studies. Oh, okay. Which is kind of wild. Like, not even just like a minor. I think that was his like actual major. Interesting. So, like, Chosen, uh, um, Sato's a cartoon character. Uh, Chosen gets there at the end. I mean, there's a lot of weird shit that happens in this movie. Like, Chosen uh, is, like, they own, the, like, Sato owns the village, and he just rents it to the, the village people because reasons? Yeah, uh, Sato, you know, Miyagi became the world's most humble person. Sato became a successful business boy, uh, but neither of them got the girl that they were fighting over. No, she specifically never married. She made sure to say that. You know, sucks for 
her. She died an old virgin. I know, right? Fucking loser. <laughs> so like, <laughs> so you have that. Then you have Chosen, who is uh, like Sato's student slash nephew. And uh, he is uh, a lunatic. Yeah, he kind of sucks ass. So like. He he cheats people out of money. He's uh, extremely disrespectful. He uh, runs around fucking destroying shit because he can or because he thinks he can. Like they go to the Miyagi house and he's just breaking fucking everything in sight. And it's just like, yeah. I, ha- I hate this man. Yeah, and that's the thing is uh, out of all of the people that try to kill Daniel LaRusso, uh, Chosen is the one that I most believe is an actual murderer. Well, yes, because Chosen whips out a knife and holds... uh, (laughs) And tries to kill a girl. And tries to kill a girl at knife point, or or threatens to kill a... He holds it at her throat uh, as he threatens Daniel. You have to fight me or I'm going to stab her in the neck. Exactly. So, yeah, that dude has killed somebody. Uh, factually, this, he's he's absolutely done it. Hundred percent. And uh, I can't wait to you know finish Cobra Kai season five because he's one of the heroes. <laughs> right. And, I, and if I remember correctly, like I think at one point in whenever he shows up, and I think it's in season three, maybe early season four. Where he's just like, yeah, I was kind of a shit kid, wasn't I? And uh, now looking back (laughs) on it, you're just like, oh, wait a minute. What the fuck are you talking about? You weren't just a shit kid. You were a fucking psycho. Psycho killer. So, yeah, uh, we love Chosen here. Uh, Our our favorite murdering or potential murdering man uh, holding women at knife point. Uh, Him. But like he like so. I know we're skipping ahead because like there's the storm that happens and he's dishonored in the storm because he didn't fucking help Daniel uh, and forces Sato to go. And so Sato's like, you're dead to me. And then Chosen's like, all right, uh, instead. So I'm going to go fucking kill a girl because Daniel LaRusso has stolen my honor and it wasn't my own fucking behavior. Well, they they establish that, like, he doesn't understand what honor actually is. So that's true. Uh, Because he's an idiot kid. Shocker. Idiot kids don't understand anything. But uh, he zip lines in on like a string with like lanterns stuck yeah. to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which are apparently electric lanterns because they're sparking. So he's like sliding down a string of Christmas lights, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, a cool entrance. It's a, it's a cool entrance, uh, except for the fact that, you know, it, that uh, each one is like stopping his momentum and he's yeah. the actors looking more and more frustrated by it. And, uh, it's, and it's like it's like a cartoon. It's like watching a fucking cartoon, which is, <laughs> which is fine. Uh, but like, yeah, so he, he drops down. He fucking grabs the girl. And is like, you're going to fight me now, Daniel, and we're going to do it one on one. We're going to fucking have it out to the death. Uh, and then, you know, Daniel fights him. Uh, at one point, Chosen kicks a stone statue and breaks part of it. So uh, had had Daniel not moved, he would have been killed. He'd, he'd have been a dead person. Then Daniel beats him and then gives him the nose honk, which is then called back uh, whenever Daniel meets Chosen again, uh, which is also a callback to the beginning of the movie where. Uh, uh, yeah, Miyagi did it to Kreese instead Miyagi of killing Kreese. him. Yeah. So like. 
I I don't hate two. Two is a, a campy mess, but it's also extremely entertaining. Yeah, that's the thing I like the most about it. It's it's very campy and fun and stupid. Which is, you know, kind of my wheelhouse. Yeah. And also, we just have a man screaming uh, at Miyagi and that he wants to kill him for the entire movie. Uh, and I will say, like, they at least keep Chosen Sato, then- <laughs> like, as an effervescent uh, antagonist throughout the thing. Like, like, I'm constantly reminded that they exist and are actually antagonists in the movie. Yeah. But then, like, uh, Miyagi's trying to save Sato's life during the storm when a fucking house falls on him. Uh, and he's got, like, a beam across his chest, pinning him down. And uh, the whole time Miyagi's trying to get this beam off of him, he's like, So, now whole village see this only way you can win. <laughs> that was fucking hysterical. <laughs> that was so fucking funny. It's like, shut the fuck up and just be rescued. Well, the, the best part about that is uh, fucking the house falls on Sato. You see Chosen stumbling Chosen out of the house. Chosen runs out and they're like, where's... Where is Uncle? He's dead. <laughs> like, dude didn't even try to help his uncle try to live. Like, dude, you just fucking was like, he's dead. Fuck him. Get him out. Who cares anymore? <laughs> Demons suck out his life. <laughs> oh, my God. It was, it was so good. Uh, what an excellent scene. The whole storm sequence is hilarious. The storm sequence is both insane and hilarious. Yeah. Because Daniel is climbing up what looks kind of like a a radio tower or like a lookout post uh, where this girl is. It's like a little bell tower. Yeah. That's just it's three poles with some boards between them so you can climb up it and ring this bell to warn the village. But then like everybody's in the shelter already. This little girl is like refusing to come down and stop ringing the bell, even as the storm is already upon them. So Daniel starts climbing up it and like because it's a prop, it splits in convenient ways to where it's a single pole that he's then climbing. Yep. Uh, And then uh, it tilts a bit and goes against like. Like power line, a power line, like an electric line. So Daniel pulls his belt off and slaps the power line down, which as somebody who used to work on power lines, like if you did that, you would instantly be a corpse. Yeah, that was um, movie magic. Like that would never <laughs> that would never work in real life, but whatever. It looked cool. So they did it. And that's just what like kind of what the Karate Kid movies are. Is it looks cool. So they did it like. The crane kick that that Miyagi says is fucking unbeatable. Yeah. Uh, if it, do it, right, no can defense. It's uh, it just looks cool. It's all that it is. It's just a cool looking thing. It doesn't actually do anything. Like if I saw somebody try to crane kick me, I would uh, move out of the way. Yeah. Yeah, and then like he tries to do it in the third movie, and the kid just like slaps the kick away. Yeah, Mike Barnes doesn't give a shit. Mike Barnes is uh, wait, he does Mike that Barnes. in uh, he does that in this movie too. Yeah, yeah, he tries. Yeah, to cr- chosen, the chosen blocks it. So apparently yeah. he's not doing it right because they can defense. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the the fight ends with chosen. Uh, it ends 
pretty much the exact way the first one ends is like Daniel wins the fight. There's about 30 seconds of celebration. And then the movie like fades to credits. They dance a lot like there's a oh, that's the other thing they do uh, like after the village is saved, like Miyagi and Sato like reconcile because they help each other save the lives of the villagers. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they they have the Obon dance, uh, which is, you know, a annual festival. This is one of my favorite things about this movie in particular and uh, these movies generally uh, is like how a lot of the extras don't seem to know what they're doing. Correct. So like they just have a crowd of people at the, at the Obon dance and like there's like, they're focusing on the characters, like the main characters of the movie, but then there's like 10 people in the foreground who are kind of trying to do the dance moves. (laughs) <laughs> but don't really know what they're supposed to be doing. Nah. So they're like doing their best to fake it. And uh, the director's just like, eh, fuck it. We got it in one. They look fine. Also, uh, I, I forgot to say this during the uh, the first, the, the, the discussion of the first movie, but get him a body bag. Johnny, you're a cream puff. Oh my God. The guy saying Johnny, you're a cream puff is fucking <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> It's, it's it's right after Johnny like scored like a very fair point against Daniel, and it's like, wait, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, I don't know the the idea of karate hecklers is just like deliciously entertaining to me. <laughs> it's so good. And then you have Bobby going fucking crazy. Is Bobby isn't Bobby the yeah. one that uh, that got cancer and died in Cobra Kai? Yes. Uh, and then also Dutch is the insane one with the bleach blonde hair. He was he was kind of my favorite Cobra Kai boy just because of how fucking unhinged he is. Yeah, I mean, all the Cobra Kai kids are unhinged until Kree starts beating up Johnny. Yeah. And then he loses all of his students. Yeah. And he goes broke, uh, which I think is as good a transition as any to get to part three. Uh, Unless there's anything else you want to talk about with two. No, I like I like two. What would you rate it? It's like a two and half. Uh, I would say three. I'm consistently a half a star higher than you on these. Uh, we'll see about that when we get to part three. Well, because uh, I don't know. Uh, again, the nostalgia factor. Yeah, because this is one that I did grow up with. So part three starts with another flashback. And I guess it's setting up the fact that Crease is now a disgraced former karate master. It only took nine months for this to happen. Uh, after his <laughs> embarrassing defeat at the hands of Miyagi. Yeah, so there's a bunch of scenes of him getting calls from bill collectors and just being a sad man. And uh, looking at his knuckles, because they presumably hurt, because Mr. Miyagi made him punch car windows. Which was hilarious. Uh, which, like, we didn't talk about, but, like, when he punches the first window and then Miyagi sets himself up in front of another car window... <laughs> A, no- a normal human being goes, wait, I've already punched a car window. I should not do that again. Also, like what karate person would like overextend their punch that much because he's like a foot in front of the car windows. Uh, it just goes to show J- Martin Cove actually didn't study karate. He just took yeah. a role that morphed into what it is now. 
I don't know. Martin Cove is so great at being a fucking shithead, though. Like, uh, he was also a shithead in Rambo First Blood Part 2. And probably a bunch of other movies. Probably a bunch of movies. I mean, he was in, um, oh, what the, oh, he was in Lava Lantula 2. Or, I'm sorry, 2 what? Lava 2 Lantula. Is that a, a lava avalanche or is that a <laughs> lava tarantula? It is a lava tarantula. <laughs> From the creators of Sharknado. It is a sci-fi original movie. I love it. Uh, so yeah, Kreese is disgraced. And uh, he he goes to his, his good pal, a rich man and sociopath, Terry Silver, who's like, no, nah, man, you can't get rid of Cobra Kai. Uh, fuck, go to Tahiti for a couple weeks. When you come back, uh, I'll kill Daniel LaRusso and raped his mom. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Terry Silver is a, a cartoon character who sees money as a weapon. Uh, he's whenever he's trying to manipulate Daniel into being uh, a miserable, bad person. Uh, he's like he has his assistants who like are would clearly be the devil's right hand than be in his way. Uh and they're like, no, I need to look more poor. And they're like, very good, sir. Here's very, an even shittier car. Very good, sir. Here's this car. We're going to put you. We're still going to have a driver and it's still going to look extremely expensive for you as you drive away in your shitty looking clothes. So, yeah, uh, fucking crease. It's Terry Silver is ready to enact his plan. So he sends crease off to Tahiti. Mm hmm. Uh, for a vacation to like collect himself. Mm -hmm. uh, and at the exact moment where Kreese is walking into the airport, <laughs> uh, Miyagi and Daniel are walking out of the airport and none of them see each other. Nope. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> uh, we find out that uh, Daniel's mom wasn't uh the actress wasn't being paid enough to come back for yet another sequel uh so she's in one scene because they you know slipped her a, a 20 and said yep. hey do this real quick so we can write you out of the movie let's uh, also have a large old man lay on a we, bed and just yes we, the whole time we finally get to see uncle louie uh the legend the man the myth the legend uh as he's dying of fucking emphysema uh, you know, an old man with just emphysema, like, he needs a lot of help. Just coughing incessantly and just ringing this bell nonstop to try <laughs> to get uh, Daniel's mom to fucking uh, smother him. Reinflate his fucking collapsed lung. <laughs> oh, my God. Uncle Louie's fantastic. Yeah, Uncle Louie's great. So Daniel's supposed to start college. And he has a bunch of money in order to start college. But then he's like, yeah, Mr. Miyagi, you're out of a job now because we uh, had to we had to leave our house because they sold it and are now tearing it down. Uh, what did you want to do with your life? And Miyagi's like, I always wanted to open a bonsai tree store. So Daniel puts a fucking down payment on a lease for a bonsai tree store. Yeah. Uh, and says, you know, fuck college. I wasn't that smart anyway. Yeah. Which is fair. Yeah. You were always yeah, allowed really, to not do that. He really wasn't. No. So, like, they open this store. Uh, 
and Daniel's all about it. And Miyagi's like, I don't know, man. But hey, whatever. And then uh, Daniel's like, yo, there's this fucking place across the street. Uh, it's a pottery place. I'm sure we can get like some planters made up for it uh, for the shop. And they'll look cool. So Daniel goes over and uh, lo and behold, we run into a person who was supposed to be love interest. But then they decided for some reason to make the friendship platonic. Jesse Andrews. So it's it's Robin Lively, uh, who. Uh, you know, she was a TV actress. She's in Doogie Howser, uh, Twin Peaks. Uh, but then, uh, she's in this. It is, um, fucking Ryan Reynolds' sister-in-law. Wait, that's Blake Lively's sister? Yes. Well, shit. That makes sense with Lively, but, like, dear God. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, don't worry. Don't even worry about it. Don't give it a second thought. Uh, she is back in Cobra Kai season five. So uh, I was wondering that. Thankfully, you've seen this now. So, yeah, because like I know Mike Barnes is back. So I was wondering how much of like I, I was wondering if she would actually be in the show, too. Yeah. See, that's uh, that's the other thing that like I'm glad that we did this because now we have the the codex through which to understand <laughs> this there's no understanding show that we love there's no understanding man yeah. there's just not um yeah but like we always joke about it but like uh about how police don't exist in the cobra kai universe mm-hmm. but like police don't exist in this like police are mentioned in one scene because uh teen boys keep trying to beat up Daniel and uh, kill him and coerce him and destroy the bonsai store. Yep. Uh, And Daniel's like, I went to the police and they laughed at me, so I left. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I love it. It's so it's so wild. Like this this whole show is just fucking insane because like it really feels like the real codex to the show to Cobra Kai actually comes from this movie. I think I said it earlier, but like all the lore of Cobra Kai is established through this movie. Yeah. And like the, it carries over a lot of the same tone stuff as this movie, like just the cops not giving a fuck whatsoever. Mm. Uh, which, which is actually kind of true. Also, uh, I don't want to get too, far off of the point you're trying to make, but like, I feel like I'll forget this if I don't say it now. Sure. Uh, so Mrs. Milo, who is the resident at the, uh, the place where Daniel lives that like has the little dog that he talks to, uh, when he first moves in there and she shows back up in this movie. Did you recognize her? Oh, of course. I recognize many people in this franchise. Yeah. Uh, did that's, I re- uh, that's Happy Gilmore's grandma. Her fingers hurt. Her fingers hurt. Uh, well, actually, her her <laughs> fingers don't hurt. She just she she no. just continues to sew. Could could you get her a glass of warm milk? It helps put her to sleep. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh, also, in two, I noticed a uh, random man on the street uh, who comes up to uh, Daniel and a love interest girl who I don't remember her name. He comes up to her and is like, hey, you going to the dance club later? Uh, that is 
uh, Jurassic Park cast member and eventual Lee Shang voice in Mulan, B.D. Wong. That's true. Oh, my God. And I legitimately went, wait a fucking minute. Is that B.D. Wong? And then I'm like, I hope I'm not racist because I'm I really want that to be B.D. Wong. <laughs> uh shit. So yeah, uh I, I love Happy's grandma. She was I think she was also in the first movie too, as the woman. Yeah. And they just gave her a Jersey accent because fuck it. So we can't delay it any further. We have to talk extensively about Terry Silver. Yes. Uh also known as the the founder and CEO of Dynatox Corp. Dynatox, uh, yep. To- totally not an evil organization. Definitely not. <laughs> it's called Dynatox. It's and their called business, Dynatox. Their business apparently involves dumping uh, chemical waste and nuclear waste in such exotic places as Borneo. Well, I mean, he, he is like, a, like you said a million times. He is a cartoon character. <laughs> he is just a cartoon character and actually i would like for this movie to connect to the teenage mutant ninja turtles somehow in that uh terry silver dumped toxic waste somewhere and it got on the turtles and morphed them into the teenage mutant ninja yeah. turtles oh my god and miyagi's splinter and miyagi's splinter cool fan theory not real but uh boy would that be awesome so yeah uh yeah terry silver's uh just insane because like Dynatox of course uh, hilarious uh, obvious like hey look it's definitely the bad guy he doesn't do like altruistic things he's just evil in every sense he's he's in this hot tub with a fucking cigar and a, and a, a landline telephone yeah an old timey phone and uh, he has so much money that he can fuck off and not do anything and just torment this 18 year old kid who just returned from Okinawa. Yeah. For the next two months, this is my full time job. I'm going to make Daniel LaRusso pay. Just because for no real reason It's just because. So like. In the first when so also this contextualizes everything for the season or like the series of Cobra Kai, like these movies contextualize like why Daniel feels the way he does about a lot of people. The one person I don't understand why he feels so afraid of or, you know, hostile towards is Johnny Lawrence, because Johnny Lawrence. In the grand scheme of things, does nothing to this kid, not a fucking thing. Chosen attempts to murder him. Fine, you you could be afraid of that guy. Terry Silver and Mike Barnes, fucking psychopaths. Be you can be afraid of them. T- fucking Johnny Lawrence, in comparison to these these fucking weirdos, uh, is like, you know, nothing. Yeah. Honestly, kind of can't believe that this movie exists. It's great. I love this movie. Uh, it's it's so horrendous because like. And when I uh, when I mentioned before, that this is like the codex by which the franchise of Cobra Kai is built. It takes a lot of Daniel's attitude in this movie and then just pulls it forward. 
And because uh, like he, for the, when he's ranting towards Miyagi about like the store and entering the tournament, he sounds a lot like a car salesman. And so like they applied that and just went, yep, he's a used car salesman now. And that's how he makes all of his money by being a used car salesman. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty good. Continuing on Terry Silver a bit, like his his whole plan of like how to break Daniel down uh, while secretly, you know, feeding Mike Barnes cues to like, I don't know, my uh, Terry Silver does a pretty good job at being like a double agent, basically mm-hmm. uh, being super two faced. But like the the cherry on top is like whenever Daniel figures out what's going on. Cause like, uh, he told Daniel and Mr. Miyagi that crease had died. Yeah. Uh, so then like, you know, Terry silver is terrorizing the kid and Mike Barnes comes in and starts beating Daniel up. And like Daniel goes to like leave and, and get out of the situation. And there's the f- fucking cardboard cutout of crease. And, <laughs> In real life, Crease jumps out from behind it and makes a boogeyman face. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> it is perfect. Uh, I also really enjoy um, Dennis and Snake, uh, who are Mike Barnes' uh, mentally retarded friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those, those, I mean, those get like they're they're Bulk and Skull, basically. That's true. That's true. Oh my god. Uh Daniel LaRusso is a Power Ranger. Oh man. So like it, yeah, like that that scene is hilarious where the the three Cobra Kai people show up and start beating up on Daniel only to then get beaten up by Miyagi and Miyagi embarrasses all three of them. Yeah. And then well, Miyagi pers- is like an unbeatable demon sorcerer. That is true. Uh, but however, Miyagi Miyagi is basically up. Shang Tsung. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Miyagi beats them up, and then they proceed to laugh and say how bad Miyagi's karate is after getting thoroughly whooped by <laughs> Miyagi's karate by the oldest motherfucker in town. Yeah, and like when we go to the championship match, and fucking Barnes is screaming, "Your karate shit, your master shit," and it's like motherfucker you got beaten up by the master like what are you fucking talking about (laughs) (sighs) so final fight is uh because terry silver has it all planned out he's like mike barnes you're gonna score a point then you're gonna take a disqualification point you're gonna keep it zero zero for three minutes and then you're gonna beat him in sudden death elimination because we want to break him and it's just like, I don't know, I feel like just squashing him and beating him 3-0 would immediately... Because yeah, he, he clearly would have been able to. Mike Barnes is clearly infinitely more talented than Daniel is. Yeah, instead he has to fuck around long enough for Daniel to, like, get out of his head about it. Right. But, like, Daniel says, like, at some point, like, I am afraid of him, and Miyagi's like, win, lose, yeah, no matter. It's okay to lose to an opponent, but yeah, it's okay to lose to an opponent. It's not okay to lose to fear. Yeah. Which like, okay, cool message. I like it. Interesting. 
however, Mike Barnes fucking around and finding out uh, was, <laughs> was not exactly the best way to handle it. Because I think Mike Barnes got three points. Like he, if he didn't get the disqualification points, he would have just won. Yeah, yeah. So like in each in each movie, there's a new technique that Miyagi passes on that uh, leads to him being victorious. In the first one, it's the crane technique. On uh, the second one, it's the drum technique. Uh, and in this one, it's the secret Miyagi family kata, which he uses at the pivotal moment to center his mind enough to beat the bad boy. Yeah. Yeah. That's really all he's doing is he, it kind of throws off Mike Barnes because he's just like, he's just doing yeah. a regular kind he, he looks back at silver and crease and they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Just kill him. Just kill him. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, you're just like, uh, okay, Mike Barnes, like you definitely just should have won this. Like that's, that's the the part that makes me like so weirded out about fucking Cobra or yeah, Cobra Kai, where they refer to Daniels like a two time champion because it's like they gave him the easiest path in order to repeat, and he still almost gets his ass beat. Uh, actually does get his ass beat and yeah. still barely wins. You know, a la another Italian American man, Rocky Balboa. Well, like I love. <laughs> I love because like so much of this movie is them trying to force Daniel to sign up for the tournament because uh, he's just like, fuck, fuck you. I'm not doing it. Uh, and they're like, Mike Barnes is like, I need your title. And he's like, well, join the tournament and go fucking take it. Just take it. And they're like, no, I need to beat you for it. And it's like, all right, how sad is your life that, you know, this is this is what you have to do. Well, yes, but also I think Silver was going to pay him a bunch of money to specifically defeat well, Daniel. He was giving him a 50% stake oh, in yeah, Cobra Kai. That's right. Which, uh, yikers. I hope Mike Barnes went uh, bankrupt. Yeah. I don't know. We'll find out in part five. That's true. Uh, so, so what would you rate Karate Kid part three? Uh, a movie about cartoon characters in small trees. It's a cartoon character movie. It's still mostly oh. okay. I guess we didn't really talk about the love interest. Uh, oh, so yeah. like they actually they uh, are going on a date. Uh, so like Daniel meets her sparks fly. They instantly hit it off. Uh, so they're going to meet up for a date. Daniel goes to pick her up and she's like, hey, before we go out, I have to tell you, I have a boyfriend and I don't want to lead you on because I'm I'm moving back to uh, paradise, a.k.a. Columbus, Ohio, <laughs> which I know hit home for you. And Daniel's like, oh, OK, uh, I'm a cuckold. I'll, I'll still, you know, take you out for a spaghetti dinner. Yeah, it was, it was just a. It- I don't know what that does. I don't know why they did it, and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. They wanted to have their cake and eat it, too, because, like, presumably by this point, like, their hubris had grown to the point where they thought they could make Karate Kid movies uh, ad infinitum. So, like, they want (laughs) an easily removable love interest character. So it's like, ah, fuck it. Uh, She has a boyfriend. She's going to Ohio. Yeah. Uh, 
a wasteland from which people never return. <laughs> yeah, so it she's just a weird character. Uh, I mean, she she has all the traits of a love interest, except she's not a love interest. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like she's a woman. She's close with the the main character. The main character confides in her multiple times throughout the yeah. movie. It's she's eighties hot. She's eighties hot. She. It's just they were like, <laughs> you will see her it. big hair. She has it. Fuck it. This woman's not actually in love with Daniel Larusso. And it's like, okay, fine, whatever. For whatever reason, you want to do that? Cool. Yeah. But like, since they're not dating, whenever Mike Barnes kicks her squarely in the chest, you don't care as much. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah, that's we're not, friends, that's Daniel. That's not true. Like, that's uh, obviously he's a fucking shithead. <sighs> so, yeah, uh, this movie is uh, a bit of a mess. But actually, like, I think does the best job of establishing Cobra Kai as a bunch of deranged psychopaths. Like the first movie. It's just like it's like a, a gang, uh, but like the white kid gang, the one that doesn't sell drugs or like um, shoots people. It's just like kids who run around town fucking spray painting shit like they're mostly harmless, uh, except for, you know, the karate stuff. But like outside of that, like they're they don't do anything. This actually sets it up that like John Kreese, Terry Silver, you know, Mike Barnes technically is Cobra Kai, but whatever. Like those guys are just fucking deranged lunatics who want to inflict as much pain on people as possible because they're lunatics. Yeah, I don't I don't think that we get Cobra Kai if we don't have Karate Kid Part Three. I honestly don't. No, even even though like most of it stems from stuff in the first movie, like I think that I think that part three uh, is what gives us uh, this magical show that we know and love. Yeah, it carries a with, lot of with, the, the weight with all of our karate friends. It carries a lot of weight in terms of how like Cobra Kai is set up, why Daniel is the way he is towards Cobra Kai. Uh, and also, why Daniel is a used car salesman? Yeah, because <laughs> he wouldn't go to college. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, what would you rate part three? Uh, I'm gonna go two and a half. I actually kind yeah. of enjoy this movie. Yeah, it sounds about right. I I like it too. Uh, they turn the the campiness up to eleven. Yeah. And that's that's kind of where it falls apart a bit, but like it's still enjoyable enough camp. It's it's strictly a worse movie <laughs> than the other two, but it's highly enjoyable. Yes. Uh, and now for something that's com- uh, and, the and now for something completely different. Yeah, uh, uh, we uh, get the next Karate Kid from 1994. Uh, so now it's 90s. Dumb shit. Uh, Mr. Miyagi comes back, uh, and this time he has a new friend, Hillary Swank, because, uh, Daniel LaRusso is, uh, going to clown college. 
at at this point, presumably Daniel is the karate man. So we need yes. the next karate kid. We need the next karate kid uh, who then uses this karate training to go on to have a bo- a very short boxing career where I believe she's paralyzed. I don't know. I've never seen Million Dollar Baby. Uh, yeah, she like. Gets knocked down in the ring and like. Th- there's a there's a like a stool in her corner of the ring that like they don't pull out when the round starts and she falls and hits her neck on it and is uh, quadriplegic. Oh my God. It's horrible. Uh, It's the best, one of the best movies that I'll never watch again. Oof. And like the rest of the movie is about her trying to kill herself because she's trapped in her body. Well, fuck. Uh, if yeah, sorry to bring down the mood. If I'm ever on life support, please. Uh, oh yeah, end, just end it. End my existence. Yeah, uh, unless like they're like, hey, yeah, you're definitely gonna be fine. Like you're just on life support, and you'll have like still a pretty good quality of life. Then fine. But if like my quality of life is like he'll be a vegetable, just fucking end it. Yeah, this is my living will. Yeah, if I can't use my hands, then like. If I can't use my hands and I can't talk, then like there's not really a lot left for me. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so Hillary Swank is a troubled youth because her parents died in a car crash. Uh, and now she becomes Batman. Yeah. In order to save uh, this hawk. It, in order to kill uh, the Joker played by Michael Ironside, uh, the clown prince of crime in high school yeah uh so instead of instead of like crease being like kind of like the offsider character with this uh michael ironside's character is like supposed to be i'm assuming a teacher of some kind or a security officer who apparently has sway over the principal because at one point one of his uh people that he one of the kids that he you know mentors says that he found Hillary Swank with uh, a pack of cigarettes and that she was smoking uh, in like the greenhouse or like the, the, the some some room mm-hmm. found her smoking in some room. And he's like, well, you know, this is only her first strike. And uh, another one, she's kicked out of the school forever. And the principal's like, yes, you're right. And it's like, why, why is the principal listening to this man? Uh, I don't know, because I guess like this it's not a military school no but i guess like the school's claim to fame is their rotc program which is called the alpha elites which is both uh generic as fuck and toxically masculine yes these are both correct and um i don't know i i was it's they're just threatening enough I guess like I don't you don't really see them do anything this is it Cobra Kai in the first movie is more threatening than the alpha elite because the alpha elite just has like a bunch of dudes and you see them get into like one fight and it's with each other like they don't do anything but also like the main character is a female so like we have to imply that the leader of them is gonna try to rape her 
in that he has raped yes. girls in the past by using his rape, position. Like, yes, has done that as well. So, like, I don't know. It's it's weird. And that's why the, that Eric character has to be in the movie, too, because, like, I guess we can't have Hillary Swank get beat up by dudes. But we can have her in potentially uh, rape situations. Mm hmm. I don't know. It's weird. The weird it's a weird movie. And also, like, the characterization of Miyagi in the movie is weird because he just feels start like staunchly different from all of the other Karate Kid movies. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This is like the the diet Karate Kid <laughs> or something. I don't know. It's uh, Karate Kid Coke Zero version. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. Miyagi is like he does his Miyagi-ness to a degree, but also like it all gets kind of underscored by him. Not like him at the end when he's like, when you have to fight, win. And that completely removes like the what he said at the end of Karate Kid 3, which is like you can fight and win or lose, but just don't give in to fear. And it's like. I get that she has to fight and like, I understand that. And Miyagi needs to learn that too, that, you know, she needs to prove to these other people that she's not some, somebody to push over. But like that message is just so anti Miyagi that it like threw me for a loop with his character. That's true. Also, like there's a weird thing in this movie where, um, it's like because of the machinations of the fucking, uh, drill sergeant from uh, Starship Troopers. Um, she gets uh, suspended from school for two weeks. So Mr. Miyagi's like, "Well, this is a good a good a time as any for us to go and live at uh, a monastery with some guys that I know for a couple weeks because you know." All Asian people know each other. All Asian people know each other. Uh, now, the head abbot. Monk so why guy. why would Mr. Miyagi, who uh, presumably has lived in. Uh, presumably has lived in Southern California for most of his life at this point. Yes. Uh, why does he know a bunch of random monks in a monastery in Boston? I'm going to assume that he's gone to visit his military friend multiple times in Boston and then became aware of this monastery. And then just showed up and is like, I am also an Asian male. Yeah. <laughs> I love Dr. Tran. I am an Asian male. Uh, so like, uh, did you recognize the lead monk from the monastery? Uh, yes. I don't know what from. Uh, he plays a oh, monk uh, in the Ace other Ventura. Thing too. Yeah, that is correct. For the second week in a row, we directly reference Ace Ventura when yeah, nature when calls. Nature calls. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, that movie actually made in 1995. I thought it was 94 for some reason, but that dude uh is has been typecast as a monk and a monk only. I I also love how the monks are credited for this film on IMDb. So we have uh, the character in question, Arsenio Sonny Trinidad as Abbot Monk. 
we have Jim Ishida as Tall Monk. We have Seth Sakai as uh, perplexingly Buddhist Monk, uh, which they probably all would be. Uh, and then we have Rodney Kageyama as simply Monk. <laughs> well, so the other thing with this movie is that it's it almost is like a comedy because there's a lot of weird yeah. comedic beats because like uh, Miyagi walks in on Hillary Swank changing and that's supposed to be in theory comedic. Uh, she plays loud music in the middle of the night and wakes up Miyagi like he's in fucking don't wake daddy. And then the second time it happens, he puts cotton balls in his ears. Exactly. And then the monks come out for a fucking night on the town where uh, they go bowling and then they have a fucking bowling montage with yeah. uh, Bostonites. They do who, Zen bowling. They do Zen bowling and they teach them about the, the, the Boston people about <laughs> the, the benefits of Zen bowling. And then, and Ashley had to point this scene out, this out to me because I really wasn't understanding it at the time. But Miyagi cutting the fucking cucumber as Eric walks in, yeah, it's like stabbing his penis. Yeah, I was like, oh, because then he's like, that. you'll have her back by ten, right? And then he holds up the impaled cucumber on the the kitchen knife. Yeah, and it's like a little chode. Yeah, it's like this is this is your dick. This is your dick if you try to touch Hillary Swank with it. Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> so so yeah uh like it, it it seems like they leaned more into the comedy like the like the other movies the comedy was actually driven from like the lines and not the scenario although i mean to be fair uh everyone is just ridiculous and over the top in two and three that it's just like it's they're funny in that kind of way but like this mm-hmm. is more scenario driven instead of character driven uh, this movie is a fever dream. Yes. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I wish that Michael Ironside was more of a Terry Silver because he could have been. I mean, they try to make it, I guess he's more like John Kreese, I guess, which is ultimately he just comes up entirely lacking because he just disappears for a huge swath of the movie too. Like, like the none of the alpha elite are even in the movie until they decide to bungee jump off the rafters at prom at prom. And one of the guys breaks his arms and it's like, to what end did you do this? What? Also, like, no sense. I can't tell if. These movies are very pro military or very anti military, but I think it's one of the two like. Miyagi is obviously like anti-war, but also like he has a Congressional Medal of Honor and has killed many, many human beings in his lifetime uh, as a soldier. Yes. But then uh, like most of the bad guys in this are like John Kreese, military guy, Uh, Terry Silver, military guy. Uh, fucking Dugan and his henchmen, uh, military guy and ROTC students. Like, I don't know if they're what they're saying there, or if they were trying to say anything, or if I'm reading into it, or if it's like a coincidence, or if it's just like you have to have somebody powerful to be the villain, and like you know, we instantly. Are like, oh, he's in the military. He can kill people. Well, I wonder if it's more like not all veterans are good people. 
you know, like we we have our veterans. Okay, Bojack. I know, but like, <laughs> but like it fe- it almost feels like that because you have such a, such a, like a hero who like wants to impart goodness upon people, and like you have these guys who seemingly have done fucking nothing. Like all they did was just exist yeah. in the military, and they're raising these kids to be macho assholes. I think I think if anything, like kind of what they're saying there is, you know, it's the same as karate in general, like power is neither good or bad. It's it's what you do with it that matters. Yeah. Which is which is fine. Uh, But that is a good poll that everybody is a, a military person. The tagline for this movie is who says the good guy has to be a guy. Sure. Uh, I want. To, I, I, don't, I don't really care about the fight at the end because it, it just kind of exists and is what it is. Uh, I want to talk about al- the Alpha Elite uh, blowing, blowing up, up the Eric's fucking car. car? Yeah. Yes. And also like him being like, "Hey, kill this kid!" And the Alpha Elites are like, "No, we already blew up his car. Like, we're not killing this kid. We, we've already it's done like, it. No, enough. we have to. We have to kill the. We have to kill the kid." And then Kill hide him. the body. So it's like, oh, he, he crashed here and his car blew up. Uh, and yeah. then we're going to. Oh, oh, and Hillary Swank and Mr. Miyagi are here. We're going to have to kill three people uh, and hopefully no cops show up because then we'll have to kill them. Uh, we're going to have to kill 57 people. Uh, and all of you are going to have to keep quiet about it for the next 60 years. Yeah, it's. um. What uh, insane! It's just complete insanity with this movie. Like they just didn't give a fuck. They were just like, "Ah, eh, fuck it." Uh, they're just evil for no reason. Yeah. Like, cause here the, I go killing again. Cause like the the main goal of the Alpha Elite is to like keep the school clean. Like, and at one point, Michael Ironside's like, "If somebody fucking drops a, a candy wrapper, you shove it in their you sh- make yeah, them you eat it. make them eat it." If they drop their homework assignment, you fold it in such a way and then you rip down their pants and shove it in their asshole so they get paper cuts along their asshole. It's like, what the yeah. fuck, man? Who who talks like this? Do you remember the movie Me, Myself, and Irene? No. Uh, so in it, like, Jim Carrey plays a person with disassociative identity disorder. There's a part where, like, because his alter is just like, you know... Uh, fucking like an embodiment of the rage that he like represses and doesn't let himself experience. Uh, so somebody like flicks a cigarette butt onto the ground and like, you see him do the change and he walks over and he's like, you're going to pick up that butt or I'm going to tape it to the front of my shoe and I'm going to kick it up my, your big fat pimply a hole. (laughs) It's like, it's that kind of shit. Right. It's just, it's comically over the top, but it's also like really just stupid because like the movies had never had like those stakes before. Like, even though Kreese is like finish him off, like I never got the understanding that he was ever going to kill Miyagi or Daniel or anybody. It always just felt like, hey, we're here to just win the fight and move on. It was never, hey, let's fucking murder people. Mm hmm. And I don't understand why the stakes had to be increased like that. It made no sense. Yeah, it's not a great movie. No, this movie sucks. And <laughs> I'm kind of glad that they stopped with Karate Kid for a while after this. Because when did the uh, when did Cobra Kai first come out? 2018? 
on YouTube? Uh, that sounds about right somewhere in there so it, it had been over 20 years since we had gotten something from karate kid so like it was like the perfect amount of time for us to miss it yeah everything looks good through rose-colored glasses when when you're wearing rose-colored glasses the red flags just look like flags that's true uh so what would you give the next karate kid i'd give it a nine out of ten. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, not great. I agree. It's not great. I'm going like one and a half. Yeah, probably one and a half. It's 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 not good. Like Hillary Swank's doing her best. Like she she cries on command multiple times in the movie. So like she's ready for the the suffering of being, you know, uh, a, a quadriplegic. <laughs> I don't know. Hillary Swank honestly isn't awful in it. No, but I don't think any of the acting's but awful. But I think that the script makes her be awful because like whenever she first shows up, uh, she just instantly is like full on attitude for no reason because the script makes her. Yeah. Yeah. The script is complete dog shit. And like out of context, it's like, why is any of this? The way this is. And, and that's what I mean. It's like, that's why Miyagi doesn't feel like Miyagi is like the script is just like written by somebody who had like a loose understanding of how Karate Kid worked and just went, eh, Miyagi's old, ancient and Asian. And he has w- sage wisdom because he's old, ancient and Asian. Uh, and it's not going to make sense with everything he said pre- previously. All right. This is a bad movie. Bad movie. Uh, still need to see Hillary Swank for uh, Karate Kid uh, or Cobra Kai season six. So Daniel could be like, Miyagi taught somebody else. Oh, no, I'm not special. Yeah, please let this happen. Uh, just just give it to me. Uh, speaking of which, next week on the show, we'll be talking about Cobra Kai season five with uh, Cobra Kai expert, I guess, uh, Julio, of the Contrarians podcast. Is that uh, confirmed he is going to be here? Because I saw con- a question mark on the schedule. Uh, it, it, it's only a question mark because I forgot to remove the question mark. But yes. OK. Uh, well, I thank conf- God. I confirmed with him. We are recording sometime this weekend. I don't think that we could ever talk about Cobra Kai without Julio. That's true. Uh, and so uh, because Julio was here, I waited on a patron pick. We haven't done one in about three weeks to a month. Uh, but there is a new Peruvian Netflix original movie. Uh, obviously on Netflix, uh, called Without Saying Goodbye. That's the English title for it. That was given to us by Julio because he wanted us to talk about a Peruvian Netflix original movie. So we will talk about that too. Might make him stay for that discussion. Who knows? Interesting. We'll see, how, we'll see what I feel about, uh, how I feel about that. But yes, uh, look forward to a supersized Julio episode where he uh, likely say oh my god they fleshed out mike barnes to make him more of a psychopath (laughs) god please i hope so so uh you can find the show on netflix and swill.com if you want to stop shop for all things netflix and swill until this dmc takedown of our dmca takedown of our website in which case we'll have to change the name to something else or you know just stop doing the show entirely I don't know, man Uh, half of our shit's being taken down so i don't even know like special things you can pay attention to just just go there like like the thing yeah 
Uh, and then, you know, buy one of her shirts if the cops don't find out about it. Just ask. Just ask. <laughs> we'll figure out a way to, to sell a shirt. All right. Uh, thank you to Space Weather for the use of our theme song, Bitter. And until next week, this is Caleb saying, karate here, pointing at my chest. Karate here, pointing at my forehead. Karate never here, pointing at my penis. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.